Welcome to AwareCast. In this podcast, we talk about information security risks in your day-to-day life, both on and offline. Each episode, we interview a specialist from the field about recognizable situations. AwareCast aims to inspire and inform you to become more resilient against information security threats and increase your security awareness. This podcast is hosted by Awareways, a company that helps organizations with behavioral change in the field of information security and privacy. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Awarecast. Today I have two very cool guests with me. We have from Awareways, Susanna Dijkstra, Program Manager, and we have Tobias Lehnert. Uh, Tobias, could you maybe introduce yourself? What do you do uh, in your day-to-day life? Yeah, good uh, evening. Basically, I'm, um, I would say, a vegan activist. So I, uh, with a couple of organizations that I'm affiliated with, uh, try to influence uh, the world and and people uh, to move towards uh, a more plant-based diet, let's say. And that would be for the benefit of animals, for the environment, uh, for other people, for health. Uh, So that's what we do with our organization that's called ProVeg International. Uh, We try to influence all kinds of stakeholders from the consumer up to the uh, UN level, let's say. Cool. And Susanna, uh, maybe a bit about yourself, what's your background? I think it's in cultural anthropology. That's right, yeah. Well, now I'm a program manager at Awareway, so I help different clients implement security awareness and sometimes privacy awareness programs. But uh, originally, I'm a cultural anthropologist. Not everyone is well known with the topic, so let me introduce it a little bit. Sure, go ahead. Uh, Cultural anthropologists um, look at cultural diversity. I uh, really like one saying that we use a lot in anthropology, and it is making the strange normal and the normal Mm. strange. So what you do is try to place yourself in the point of view of someone else to understand them more. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So that's what I apply to in... uh, my security awareness programs, I try to envision uh, what my clients feel uh, uh, when they're at work to make a program that's very fitted for them. Nice. So um, I guess the question for you both is, how did you end up here like doing what you do now? Tobias, maybe you go first. Uh, for me, it started um, from um, yeah, a, a love for animals, let's say, mm-hmm. and uh, the realization that uh, there was no real difference, no morally significant difference between uh, the dog that was uh, near the fireplace in her home that I was petting and the cow uh, in the meadow across the street standing in the rain that I knew was destined for slaughter. And I was thinking like, okay, if there's no difference between these two animals for me, why am I petting the one and eating the other? And so the conclusion was I should stop doing that. And Actually, was a very big meat eater, so it took me 10 years mm-hmm. to actually do that. This is uh, 25 years ago. And um, finally, I stopped eating meat, and I became really passionate about this topic, and I uh, wrote my master's thesis about it, started organization, um, and now this is, this is basically uh, my life. <laughs> nice, yeah. And you, Susan? Um, well, I've always had a vision that I wanted to help people, Um, especially help them in the change that they're encountering. 
So we're now living in a changing world. I would think that you <laughs> maybe also agree with me, especially with uh, veganism rising and, and that we see a lot of importance of it around us. But the same goes, for example, with digitalization or the information society that we live in right now. Um, change can be hard for people and it's important to understand why the change is difficult, why they feel anger, why they feel anxiety and uh, to help guide them through the process of change to make the most of it. So yeah, I see that information uh, security is a very big uh, part of our society right now and uh, I want to help people achieve that goal. Cool. Um, all right, I have a couple of questions written down to kind of keep rolling. And after that, uh, there's some statements that uh, uh, we'll get to eventually, but those are mainly to get you to uh, react and we'll see where we go from there. Um, all right, to start with, of course, everyone here has great successes, but we also have challenges in our life and what we try to achieve. Like, we, of course, we try to achieve different things in our day to day, but uh, everyone has goals. So um, I was wondering uh, for you, maybe personally, um, how do you deal with uh, the barriers that you encounter while working or um, doing something, uh, working towards your goal personally, uh, but maybe also professionally? Well, personal and professional um, are, are very mixed together in my life for me. Um, so I would say that that in the job of trying to influence people towards a more plant-based diet, there's really a whole lot of barriers that you encounter. Um, basically, the main barrier, I would say, is that the fact that um, people, uh, people do not want to change. They are uh, keen on continuing eating something that they love to eat. So everything that you say that... Um, counters that that runs against that everything that you say in terms of like look you shouldn't do this for the animals for animal suffering for the environment or whatever basically they do not want to hear they will uh, basically shut it down inside or outside mentally or whatever they shut you down um, there is a, a very big resistance to to hearing these things uh, and also when people reason about these things um, they they will do what we call motivated reasoning so that that means that like they're not rationally think that they're not thinking rationally but their thoughts are taking them to where they already know they want to go so they want to arrive at the conclusion eating animals is fine and they will invent all kinds of like reasons to to continue to do that so you have to break through that barrier of resistance and um, I think one of the barrier one of the ways to break through that barrier is actually with food um, so the idea would be that um, um, if you can show people that there's really great vegan food around and if they can have that, if they can eat that, if they can appreciate that, it will be cognitively easier for them to be open-minded to all those arguments mm -hmm. because now they know they don't have anything to lose anymore. Now they know that, um, well, okay, I have a good alternative, so I might as well listen to these arguments I'm, I'm not so defended against I'm not so defensive against them anymore so that is one of the ways to 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 counter those uh, or that resistance I would say so they feel yeah. like it's easier for them to get a vegan solution near them I don't know if vegan solution is a the best word but to alternative uh, maybe yeah to get a vegan alternative near them yeah so I, I I would say so so my theory of change is a bit that um, 
sometimes um, a change of awareness or a change of attitude starts with a change in behavior, not yeah. the other way around. So you start with doing something different for whatever reason, and then afterwards it becomes so much easier to change your attitude about that thing because you already have changed something about it, right? Yeah. So if you can give people... Um, for instance, uh, say that they're like on, on a trip in a, on another country and they're eating um, vegetarian food there because, for instance, they, they don't trust the meat there, for instance. Um, so they, they would not have any ethical, moral reasons or sustainability reasons, but they do that for, for the reason of hygiene or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so by doing that, all of a sudden they discover like, okay, this is not that difficult, this is tasty, whatever. And for the first time in their life, maybe, they can open themselves up to hearing all the animal rights or sustainability arguments. And they may now read an article that previously they would have ignored just because they're less defensive. Oh. Yeah. So that's, that's one way of approaching it. Also maybe a bit uh, being in a different mindset, different place, different... Uh, in this case, yeah, that could yeah. help too. But yeah, you don't necessarily have to travel for that. It could be all. I mean, <laughs> you could have, for instance, an allergy problem or a health problem or something, yeah. and, and that's why you, mm -hmm. you change something in your diet, and then all of a sudden you start to open up for all these other arguments. Yeah. So essentially, they've gotten a real taste for what is not normal for them, or the well, taste of the change that you want to create. Yeah, the, the, I think the, the main thing is. Um, that they see that there is nothing to lose, that they're not afraid anymore to lose something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah we see this a lot, I think, also in the programs that we're uh, applying at our clients, that it's uh, it feels like a very big hurdle to take extra steps or to um, maybe distrust something that you've learned over the time to uh, trust fully. I was talking with a colleague uh, the other day and he told me that we've always had this inclination to click on a link uh, because we always get something positive back and now mm. all of a sudden we have to teach people that it's not positive always to click on a link but it's very difficult because people want to stay into that positive motion and maybe people also have that positive uh, connotation to eating meat because it's something they've always done, something they've always enjoyed and then maybe doing something different can feel very scary, very like, oh, I don't want to lose that good feeling. I'm feeling pretty good when I eat meat and now someone else is telling me otherwise. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's something that most people have learned to appreciate since childhood and um, there's all kinds of like associations they make. Yeah. Uh, it's not just a taste, but it's association with maybe a family event. Uh, with safety, with coziness, with whatever. And so that's why um, apparently um, food behavior change is one of the most difficult forms of behavior change. People are very stuck to the food that they eat. Um, so changing that is, is, is really hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. essentially I think it's uh, one of the things that is most normalized in our society. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you look at, at eating meat, it's, it's, I mean, people do it three times a day. They eat animal products three times a day. So um, it is completely normal. Um, so so one, one answer to the question, why do most people eat meat, is uh, most people eat meat because most people eat meat. People do what other people, what they see mm -hmm. other people around them do. So they take their cues on how to behave from other people around them. And they follow it and they, they think that it's normal. And of course it is technically, literally normal because it yeah. is the norm. Yeah. Yeah. But norms change. 
um, it's like today if you if you think back on the fact that people uh, 10 20 years ago were could be smoking in a restaurant on the seat next to you you mm-hmm. think i mean maybe you're too, you're too young to to have <laughs> lived through that but i have i have yeah. and that was normal back then and now we would we would say like oh my god has this ever been a fact you know like you, yeah. co- you almost can't imagine that anymore yeah. so norms change and 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 this will be the same with meat too in uh, with meat and animal products in in 50 or 100 years time people will yeah. wonder like how could they have done that yeah, yeah i think yeah. so too and I, it's really funny um we were talking a little bit during dinner of course about uh sharing our private information online and you shared with us that it's for you that you're not scared uh, to share information online about yourself because what can people do with it? But I do think that one of the things that we also want to change is that it's good to think about the things that you send out mm-hmm. into the world about yourself or about other people. And uh, with the movement that we're also trying to create uh, by being aware of ways, uh, yeah, to change our perspective on it because... Um, maybe it doesn't for some people uh, feel important to not eat meat because it's so far away from them. But then um, the same happens also with not sharing your personal information online. But if you just don't know the consequences of that, because let's be honest, a lot of us uh, don't know and I wasn't taught what the uh, what the uh, consequences were of sharing my uh, my personal data. So it's important that we keep informing people and keep uh, 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 yeah keep going towards uh, a society in which we all know the risks. But I, I do think that it's a, a very funny connection also that we see between the two the two topics mm-hmm. because why. Uh, do you feel like your uh, surround in your surroundings you also see less people that are very wary about their personal information being online? No, um, not not so much. I think I'm I'm an exception. I I know I'm not very smart about these things, but <laughs> I'm also like philosophically a bit different. I think like I I would I think that I would even want in the future in some faraway future i would i would not mind that we can read read each other's thoughts for instance you know and, and that we don't have mm. to hide anything anymore that we don't we're not neurotic anymore about hiding stuff from each other and we just can can read each other's dirty thoughts and it's like all <laughs> completely normal and we don't mind and so so yeah. but most people don't share that opinion but that's that's where my my privacy my lack of privacy <laughs> comes from and how do you feel like you're uh why do you feel like you're not influenced by the by the people around you? You mean in the sense that like they're not influencing me to take more care of my yeah. privacy? Mm-hmm. Um, it's not it's it's not like really a, a topic. Um, I think, um, but I think I have I'm probably resistant to the to the the trouble to the efforts I have to go through to like like with with password password and remembering and apps and 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 all kinds of things and yeah it's it's. It's it's quite annoying. Um, it's also very annoying that like because of the zero point zero zero percent of dishonest people, 
everybody in the world has to go through that like sometimes i'm standing in mm-hmm. at, at in an airport and we have to like do all these things to get through security and that is because 0.0001 percent of the population would do something bad and that's why the whole world has to go through this this whole thing and it's the same with with the with the computer privacy and and it makes me kind of like yeah it, it makes you me very ache. annoyed and gives you the ache about it no but uh, it's uh I, I think it's uh, if you look at it indeed from the point that oh it's just indeed like zero point zero 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 one percent of people, but what we also encounter in our in our jobs is that um, some of the incidents that take place aren't necessarily bad or evil people coming mm-hmm. out to get you, but sure, it can yeah. happen always. Some you don't oftentimes you don't even know the value of the information or the things that you have until they're gone, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is very unfortunate, of course. But um, by things or information getting out into the open, they can do more harm than good. There's a reason why um, the internet nowadays and companies nowadays are data driven, um, and our personal data is a big, big part of that. Uh, you can think about companies like Google mm-hmm. um, that base their entire business model off of knowing what people want to see and showing it to them. Uh, but then again, you also have insurance companies that uh, put a really high value on uh, personal information because if you know more about the person that is um, getting insurance from you, then you know uh, more of how high their premiums maybe should be or something like that right mm-hmm. um, there's a whole big market for data nowadays in the world so um, people may or may not be confronted with that every single day mm-hmm. uh, but being aware makes it far lo- more likely that you don't necessarily um, give people valuable things for free mm-hmm. so I have another question here uh, for you how do you deal with noise from people uh, talking about mostly negative noise in the sense of people that may be disagreeing with you or uh, don't really believe in uh, the point of view where you're coming from. Um, How do you deal with that in your daily life or maybe uh, face-to-face even? Yeah, well, I'm I'm, I'm fortunate to have um, a group of friends and and people in my life who are largely agreeing um, with with the things that I believe um, also my, my girlfriend my partner for instance <clears throat> we are the same we're both as committed to this as, as each other um, but of course online and 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 in daily life etc you 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 do um, find a lot of um, comments on this on this topic of, of meat eating which is a very polarizing topic and you read yeah, a sure. lot of very, 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 very stupid things, uh, which are very uh, uninformed and which are very, yeah, I would say uh, this will sound judgmental, but, uh, but very selfish, basically. Like, uh, you know, like, I don't care about this. I don't care about the suffering of a chicken. I just mm-hmm. want, to, want to eat it. Um, that, is, that is frustrating. Um, it is, um, I think, important uh, not, to, not to focus too much on it um, and to um, also not waste too much energy on uh, people you can't reach anyway, uh, people um, who uh, will not change and or will only change when all the rest has changed, uh, when, yeah, when yeah. the great majority has changed, let's say. So I try not to waste too much time um, on on people that are that will be, let's say, the laggards, the, the, the people who, 
who come last. Uh, it's more important to um, to reach people that you can't change. So that is one one way to deal with it. Mm-hmm. So you basically focus your efforts on where you think you can get the most out of uh, or the most mileage with changing people. Yeah, uh, if exactly. they're open to it. Yeah, and it's it's tempting because um, sometimes getting angry is is fun. You know, like everybody likes to get angry sometimes on Facebook and rage against somebody yeah. else whose opinion they hate. Um, so it can be fun, but uh, yeah, it's it's not good to waste too much time and, and energy on that. I think. And um, here in at the Wearways, we also try to use people with influence in our programs. So, mm-hmm. for example, a manager or. Um, someone else higher up from the company or people that are near to others, maybe lower into the company um, who speak as well, almost authorized coaches or advocates for mm. the uh, for the topic. Is that something that you also make use of? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there can be, it could be influencers. Um, so for instance, um, let's say that um, look at the demographic of, of men, men are less open to veganism and to plant-based eating than, than mm-hmm. women are. So you could find like some male role models, like some athlete or whatever, who could like be spokespeople for that. Or like you say, you could find um, within a company, you can find um, managers or, or uh, yeah. people who, who are decision makers, people who decide what ends up in the cooking pot, who, who ends up on the menu. Yeah. Um, that, that way you don't have to go through all these customers, you just yeah implement the change from above basically yeah yeah Yeah. because also if for example you would um work together with another company and at that company there would only be vegan choices Mm -hmm. they would have to opt for the vegan choice but if they would maybe have the option between vegan vegetarian meat and every single option would be just as easy people are more likely to get in or to choose the one that they're used to. Yeah, yeah. There's a, there's a fine balance to strike between. I mean, people don't like it when you take away all the options. So I think you have to avoid that because then they get furious. But um, what the idea would be to make whatever is the desirable behavior to make that behavior easier, and to make whatever mm-hmm. is bad behavior or, unde- or undesirable behavior to make that harder. Yeah. Uh, so one one way to do that is to change the default. Uh, so imagine you get on a plane and if you didn't, so I, if I get on a plane, I have to specify beforehand I want a vegan meal. Yeah. But say you turn that around and you offer the vegan meal by default. And if a person gets on the plane and, and they, they haven't specified anything, they will get a vegan meal. And then if they say like, oh, I don't want a vegan meal, I, I want meat. Then the, the steward or whatever, they would say like, you, you should have specified it beforehand. So that's mm-hmm. just turning around the default. Um, and it will, of course, result in a lot more people eating the plant-based option yeah. without their choice actually having been taken away. Yeah, yeah. I think that's also one of the reasons why we focus so much on having a good onboarding training. If you started a new company and you immediately get an onboarding training teaching you how to use a uh, password manager, how to safely set up a password and maybe indeed make it the default to have a password sentence from at least 20 uh, uh, letters and numbers. It would be maybe your nightmare. I see you smiling already. <laughs> it's sad that it's not with video. But um, 
uh, well, if you just make small changes that, uh, uh, for example, instead of um, your computer shutting off after two minutes of being inactive, maybe shutting it off after 30 seconds of being inactive. So if you forget to lock your screen when you walk away, that you still have those uh, one and a half minutes spared of someone not being able to uh, to get into your data. Uh, even though locking your screen, of course, is always better. But um, making it default, indeed, I think would change a lot because it's normal. People see that it's Im immediately important that the new company they start to work at. So we make it the set culture, the security culture. Um, and the same goes, indeed, with eating vegetarian or eating vegan. Mm -hmm. If it's the default, we make it the norm we set up a vegetarian or vegan culture yeah. yeah people don't have to make a choice they don't have to make the effort to choose um they cannot take or they can it's harder to choose the the wrong thing so um yeah there's that's a lot of incentives to um well you don't actually need incentives the whole point is like most people are not motivated enough to do something that's annoying and that's hard and that's whatever so so i I'm apparently not motivated enough to, to use a password manager or something. Mm -hmm. So it has to be easy enough. It has to made, be made easy enough. So I was discussing this this afternoon in preparation for this this talk. And, and somebody said like, yeah, okay, this, this password managers, uh, they're not all available on all of your devices. So so on, if, 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 mm -hmm. if you can't use it on a smartphone, I mean, what uses it? Then, then, I, then whenever I want to access something on my smartphone, I do have to remember the 24 character password, right? So, or I have to look it up somewhere or whatever. So it's not convenient enough. So you have to make things as convenient as possible for the lazy people who don't want to make any effort or who are not motivated enough. So same with meat. Um, has to be very tasty. It has to be very available. has to be very good in price so that there is no motivation needed because only very few people are going to be motivated enough yeah. to, to yeah. go the extra mile. Yeah, but that's why I think um, if you look at the... The motivation for it, what for me motivated me to use a password manager was that now I have to remember one uh, password sentence instead of what do I have? I Well, I put it in the password manager the other day and it took me some time, so I do have a lot of passwords, but um, I could not in the life of me have set up a safe password for every single one of my accounts and remembered them. And if I wouldn't have changed my passwords, I knew that I was uh, prone to have my data leaked or prone to have my accounts broken into, that sometimes my uh, my payment uh, details and my address, etc., were were logged into. So I needed to do it. So I thought, okay, what's easier than <laughs> remembering 100 different passwords is having one um one password sentence for my password manager. However, what I, I do think is, is a big difference then is that for me, I now see that it's very important to protect my data. But if it's not important, as you just shared, uh, which is your personal opinion, then yeah, it doesn't seem that important to, to remember a 24 letter uh, password sentence. I think that's one of the key points is that we also need to show people that it's important to uh, to sh to protect your data, same that it is for you to uh, show that it's important to um, 
uh, eat vegan and uh, have a, a healthy uh, a plant-based meal that um, shows respect for the animals around you and the planet around mm-hmm. you, of course, too. Um, but that's also something that we uh, that we bump into a lot that that border Definitely. of uh, people not feeling like it's it's their part of their role. Everybody definitely plays a, plays a role uh, in both, I think, um, no matter where you necessarily are. Uh, I'd like to probably move on to the statements now. The first one I have here uh, is you can never change your habits if you're not aware of your behavior. I think you can probably change some habits without, I mean, without being aware of your behavior. Like, I think it can, I mean, probably it's it's a lot easier if you're aware of that behavior, but uh it's probably also possible that it happens unconsciously you know like you are in a different environment and there you pick up another habit and it just sticks and you are not really aware of the behavior before i i'm sure that can happen even if it's not the most obvious thing how are you um i think it's a good statement i'm a little bit between yes and no um i think that if there's never any other form or type of behavior around you then it can be quite difficult to change your behavior because Mm -hmm. you're stuck in the same pattern and you're not aware of it but if you have people around you that for example if you go travel somewhere um, where you started a new company or you meet some new friends and they show certain behavior then Yes, you can change your behavior without being uh, yeah. uh, aware of, of it. But I think maybe after some time, you might probably look back at your behavior thinking, oh, well, I wish I would have done that sooner. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. I think exactly that. Because you're changing your environment in that case. Uh, the, the environment is so different from what the, you're used to. Um, you're probably also forced to think about your habits because you just notice the differences instead of uh, seeing what you're used to. Yeah, I think it really shows the importance of uh, of the environment, the effect that it has on you, and that it's very difficult to change by yourself, but mm. it's easier yeah. to change when it's in a group too, yeah. Changing behavior definitely works uh, better in a group to support each mm-hmm. other and to... Yeah. Uh, change your mindset a bit sure, uh, and motiva- motivate each other as well yeah 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 for sure cool um i have a second statement here this one i know uh, <laughs> at least some people i've known uh, definitely agree with this i don't necessarily agree with myself but here you are um anger and impact go hand in hand uh, the more noise you make the sooner people change their behavior yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't agree with that. Um, I mean, sometimes being angry and making noise can definitely help, um, but in many other cases, it won't. Um, in many cases, you you will increase the distance between you and other people if you're angry at them, if you mm-hmm. make them feel yeah. guilty, uh, etc. Uh, so I'm not gonna say like you should never be angry or or never make noise, but in general, um, I tend to be more gentle and careful um and um i think that's a better way to make people be open to you and listen to you um i think like yeah you can see it with the whole like woke woke thing for instance Mm. like um uh, 
many people are rightfully angry i would say like they have every right every reason to be angry but other people who are less woke they they will often feel very guilty or they will feel angry because they feel guilty i think yeah, yeah. Uh, they feel they, they they feel well maybe not guilty but they will feel like they are a bad person they will feel as if they're accused of something of using the wrong words etc and so when they feel they have the sentiment they feel bad um, I don't think they're more likely to change. Um, mm-hmm. I think they're more likely to change when, when they are included and when we can have a conversation with other people. Uh, that's that's when people change, in most cases, I think. Yeah. Beautifully said, I would say. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. yeah, for sure. 100%. Uh, I think the, the other aspect of that is in some cases, especially if you look towards maybe like governments, um, Sometimes they just don't notice or the people in power uh, don't necessarily listen to everyone. Um, so sometimes I think you do ne- need to make noise. Absolutely. Uh, but you, you can make noise without being angry as well. So I think there's a, there's a, a nice spectrum there that you can explore. Um, do you have any strategies for how you approach um, making noise maybe or creating a, a buzz um, without being too angry it could be all kinds of things it could be um, I mean it could be with humor it could be with uh, something spectacular or something unexpected um, so um, the thing is that like you don't necessarily be need to be angry for that but it, it will <laughs> yeah. still cause anger from the other people often mm. you know um, so uh I mean, for instance, say that you're like with Extinction Rebellion and you block a road, like yeah. a, which happened in England or something. You're not angry, maybe you're just blocking the road, but people will get very um, infuriated often because they don't understand mm-hmm. your cause. They think you're just an annoying activist and etc. So you have to wonder always, like, do these things work um, or do they create more polarization? Um, and the answer is not always clear. Um, and sometimes you have to create. Um, maybe noise and maybe polarization even to get a topic on an agenda um, so I think there's always like that you have to find a balance and you especially have to see what the time is ready for you know like what is what is apt what is appropriate for a certain time in history and sometimes people can be ready for something but sometimes you have to say like look this is not the time for this this we have to do maybe in 10 years this kind mm-hmm. of action or something mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's really reading into the context. So also depended on, depended on who you're talking to. For example, people who might be more prone to change um, could um, take your message in more by just hearing your arguments. Whereas maybe people who are less prone to change, it's good to also repeat their arguments, know that they're being listened to, so they listen to you as well. Having a balance between that, but... That really, really needs uh, reading into a context, getting to know your audience. Uh, I, I think that's a, a big step towards a, a change. And what you said also, humor. I think humor always does it very well because you make mm-hmm. it lighthearted. Uh, a lot of topics that we talk about uh, that need change are very, very heavy. And people feel a lot of guilt around it. And it yeah. is uh, uh, with our eating habits, but it's also what we see around uh, around uh, uh, working uh, uh, with information. They don't want to be told off. And telling someone off is one of the worst things I think you could do 
uh, just show them how to do it. And um, uh, it's different for, uh, depending on, on the group if they just need to be shown what they need to do or why it's important. Feel it out and fill out the, the knowledge gaps where, where it's needed. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's, I agree. It's very important to be aware of your of your audience, and and different people need to hear uh, different things or to experience different things. So there's no uh, one size fits all uh, approach. Um, For sure. Yeah. 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 Very rarely the case, of course. <laughs> um, all right. Third statement: If another pa- person doesn't change their behavior, then why should I? I think personally, I've heard that quite a bit of times over the yes. years. Um, they they shift the the responsibility maybe a bit. Uh, it's also kind of dodging the question maybe. But um, how do you how do you feel? How does this um, this feeling this sentiment uh, maybe impact you? It's I would say it's understandable. Um, there's two aspects to this. First of all, I mean people think that it's it's futile that if just them change their behavior and not other people, then it's just futile. It's just like a, a, a drop on a, on a hot plate, like we say, drop in the ocean. Uh, and another aspect of it is that, um, well, we're talking about doing something extra, making some sacrifice, making some effort, perhaps. And uh, people would say like, yeah, I don't want to be the sucker who makes the effort. Um, yeah. I understand that, and and this is also um, why, like in our movement, uh, we also like um, attach a lot of importance or put a lot of resources into changing change from above. Uh, mm-hmm. So um, you can imagine that, like suppose suppose that maybe you want to pay more taxes for um, development aid in poor countries. Maybe you want to contribute to that, mm-hmm. but you might say, yeah, okay, I want to. I agree with that, uh, but I'm not going to be the sucker the only sucker who does that. But if the government uh, forces it on us or tells everybody that we have to, then I agree, then I'll go along, right? So that, that, is, the, that is the benefit uh, for some people of, of, of change from above. Um, they would, people would agree when it applies to everybody. They're just not, they're not going to volunteer to do something just themselves, but they will agree when everybody has to go along. So I do see um, value in, in individual change because um, if there's ever more people who individually do something different, then it will help. But I can also understand um, the feeling of futility that people have. And, and that's why we do need also institutional governmental change, legal change. Yeah, yeah I think it's uh, both cases. Um, I think it's... Uh, a matter of leading by example in some cases where your individual change has a bigger impact than just you. Um, But also, like you said, um, for some people, there needs to be a top-down approach um, where uh, an authority or uh, maybe they're they're higher up, somebody they respect um, makes the change for them and then they can follow their lead. Uh, So I think it does have a a big impact. I just simply, from my perspective, I hope people aren't necessarily too quick to jump to the uh, shifting the responsibility of change. Mm-hmm. Um, then again, I'm more used to change myself, so maybe other people feel differently. Well, it's something that we sometimes see too at our clients where there's a general thought or a general thought process that um, 
security and uh, information security is just the responsibility of the uh, IT department. The the few with knowledge. The yeah. few with knowledge. Yeah. So and the few with knowledge and the few with power. But it's everyone because if you look at maybe yeah it's them setting up the policies, it's management that's enforcing it, and it's the people, the employees that are putting it out into the into the world, <laughs> the policies that were made. So we do all have a uh, we do all have a, a a role in 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 working towards towards change, and I think this is applicable to many many topics. But if we just have policies laying on the shelf, <laughs> then it's never going to happen. We need to actually do something with it. And uh, again, that also goes back to seeing the important. Uh, it's not just enough to have policies there. It's very important to show people also why is it important to carry out these policies? Why do we want to follow them? Yeah. All right. Um, let's move on then to our recurring segment. Um, so each episode, we present a real life story in our recurring segment uh, that we call Fool Me Once. Um, this way, we help to keep ourselves and our listeners, of course, um, to stay aware uh, about our day-to-day -day security risks and uh, our security surroundings. Tobias, I think you uh, you had a story you wanted to share. Yeah, I wanted to pay something in Bitcoin once. And um, so I had bought some Bitcoin just as an investment, actually. Yeah, and then yeah. I had to, had to transfer this Bitcoin from my online account to some local thing on my computer. I don't know how it worked. Uh, and the moment, so I had, I needed some special software locally on the computer. And the moment I transferred it from online to local, and when I wanted to make the transfer to this other person, the moment I I tried to make a transfer, I had seen that the money was already gone. So it was just it just disappeared, like like like, yeah, in a second. Yeah. Just the moment it arrived on my computer, it was gone. Finish. And uh, so I, I didn't know what it was. And uh, people told me like, yeah, your computer might be um, compromised. Mm -hmm. And they advised me to um, to uh, format the whole thing. Yeah, that's. Uh... <laughs> That's a harsh one, yeah, for sure. I did not do it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's even riskier. That, that is case, very risky. There yeah. you go. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, that's a that's an interesting one. Um, it, of course, every time you need to be very, very careful, uh, especially if software is involved. Mm -hmm. um, when with money, uh, even more so. Um, yeah, banks rely on being trusted, and their software needs to be. Uh, secure and their software needs to work properly for people to trust them. So, um, in that case, things like Bitcoin uh, are definitely inherently uh, more of a risk mm -hmm. because there's less of a less of a trusting system. There's more of a zero trust system. Um, but in general, I think that uh, it's very important to always be very very careful uh, about how you approach certain things like especially when dealing with third parties like you mentioned you you went from your online environment into a third party uh, piece of software that you had to download in order to make a transaction uh, stuff like that we always need to be very careful about um, because of that the third party factor um, so yeah i think that's one of the things we can take away from that um, how about you you have anything 
No, I've never made a mistake in my life. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, not as far as I, I can remember. I do, and if you search well enough, you'll find an old Facebook profile of me <laughs> that I cannot seem to delete. Ah, um, yes. And I, I do think that uh, now I'm more careful than ever to make sure that I always lock my mm -hmm. login information somewhere and somewhere safe so that if I ever want to delete my personal data, I can. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. this will, I've tried to delete it many, many times and it doesn't work. Yeah. It does not work. Uh, they will not let me. So unfortunately, I'm stuck with the Facebook profile forever, I'm afraid. Yeah. It shows you uh, the value that they put into information as well. Yeah. Um, they make it hard for you, of course, because it is valuable to them uh, for that profile to still exist. Uh, yeah. And just counting for just, it's not just you, it's a whole bunch of people that have Facebook profiles that they never use but still exist out there. Uh, so their data is also still out there. Yeah. Um, all right. I think that's, uh, that's us done for today. Uh, big thanks to you both. Um, thank you for joining us. Thank you. And uh, Tobias, maybe uh, where can people find you if, uh, if they want to contact you to, to reach out? Uh, my personal website is veganstrategist.org and the website of my organization is uh, proveg.com. P-R-O-V-E-G. Proveg. Cool. Thank you so much. That's it for this episode. If you enjoyed this podcast, feel free to follow us on your favorite podcasting platforms. For more information about Awareways, go to awareways.com.